welcome everyone out to our podcast today. On today's podcast, we have Mr. Braden Howard with us. Would you like to say hello to everybody, Braden? It's always good to be back. We're very glad to have you here. On today's podcast, we're going to kind of piggyback a podcast that Braden and I did a, a little while back where we were talking about introvertedness, uh, introvertedness. We, um, we have a lot of folks uh, today that, um, not just in our church, but just, um, I guess, in society at large, that really struggle uh, with issues of social anxiety. Would you, is that a fair assessment? You think, I'm one right? of them. So yes, yeah, I you're agree. one of them, yeah. Uh, as I've often joked publicly and, and uh, you know, in, in messages, and I'm, I'm sure I've alluded to it on the podcast, I am what they call an, uh, I don't know if you would call me an extroverted introvert or an introverted extrovert, but everyone thinks because of the way I conduct myself in terms of, you know, socially, I mean, like talking with people, I seem very outgoing and, and really, really talkative, but in actuality, I am very much not that. <laughs> I am very much not that way. It takes a lot. Um, it takes a whole lot of get up and go for me to go out and do a lot of the socializing that I do. Um, now, just me personally, that's not, it doesn't mean I don't like people. I love people. And it's a struggle that I face because I feel like sometimes I, I don't feel guilty because I, I've, I've learned to overcome it. And I, and I go on out and I do the socialism socialization that needs to be done but inside of me it's like there's this war that goes on where I really just want to kind of stay in my little hole you know and not come out but I have to and 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 when I do come out I'm glad I did but I'm also glad when I can go back to the (laughs) to my little cave and hide does that ring a bell with you oh yeah well we kind of talked about it last time like you know at that that uh church conference that I went to you know yeah it was really fun I knew two people. I didn't want to go out and meet the other 500 people and, and make new friends and stuff. Right. Uh, but then just like you as well, I can get up and preach in front of 100 people. Mm-hmm. No big deal. That's not a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess working in the customer service industry at, at both places that I work at, it's kind of helped me, Right. I guess, kind of get out of my shell a little bit. But even then, there's sometimes when... Like, I'll just let my boss or somebody do the talking. I'll run the credit card machine. Let me, <laughs> right. st- let me stay over here. Right. And, and you do right. all the, the socializing. <laughs> it's, now, there's a little bit of difference in age between Braden and I. Braden, how old are you? 20. 20. I am 44. I'll be 45 in a, another month or so, month and a couple of weeks. Um, in my, in that 25 years, I mean, I mean, in the, you know, there's 25 years between us. When I was your age, I would find myself in positions where I was having to work jobs uh, that were, you know, in front of the public, where I retail. Uh, I had, you know, worked in retail at a couple of places, and I had to learn to, you know, kind of face that. And it was, you know, it was the Lord preparing me to be, you know, everything prepares us for what's coming next. But I would have to admit that... I love people, and I love socialization, and I love one-on-one conversations. It gets, it gets really, um, I don't know, maybe not hectic's not the right word, but when there's a lot of people around, you know, I'm trying to say hello to everyone, to, to be social, to be friendly, and um, sometimes it feels almost a little, a little um, chaotic inside. You know, because I'm just like I really want to shut down after a few hours. You know, I've, I've about reached my, 
my my you know limit on being able to to endure you know the the socialization and I always feel bad when I do that because I feel like I'm I'm it makes me feel like I'm kind of you know, I, I don't want to be around people. Well, that's that's not the truth at all. I love being around people. It's just there's this glitch, as I call it, this glitch in me that makes me not be the way that I that I want to want to be. Would you agree with that, Braden? Uh, yes. It almost seems like uh, we have this timer in our in our bodies, like you know, or or a social quota. I've, I've called it that a few times. Yeah. Like you know, I've okay, it. I've talked to so many people. I'm just ready to go home now. Let me go home and go to bed. And... <laughs> well, like, what would you is it, like? This is your moment right here. I'm giving you the floor. Is there something that you would like to say to people? Like, like for instance, uh, or or what I mean by this is, when people hear someone say, you know, it takes a lot out of them to be social. Um, you know, it, it, it feels like it drains you physically and emotionally, you know, psychologically, whatever. Um, someone may think, well, well, that, I just don't want to talk to them then because I don't want to wear them out or I don't want to, I don't want to stress them out or strain them. Uh, was well, there something that you would like to say to those people? Like, like, a, like almost like a, not an explanation, but like, is there something you would say to them? Well, I think uh, that last statement you said there, well, well, maybe I shouldn't talk to them because it might wear them out. I think that just uh, makes it even worse, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of produces that stigma yeah. uh, behind it. You know, it, it, I would consider it a weakness sometimes, uh, but even then we can't overcome those weaknesses if we don't work through it. Oh, that, that, that's it, right. It's just yeah. like learning a new skill. Yes. I was, well, I'll use uh, the insurance, mm-hmm. uh, for example. Uh, once I got certified, I had to learn the system. Mm-hmm. The only thing I knew how to do was to make payments. Right. Now I can write all these different auto policies for somebody. Once I got to learn the system, go back and find all these different things. But it's just something that it takes time. It's just pretty much a basic skill to learn. Mm-hmm. Even though it's it's kind of seen as a weakness being introverted, the social skills do have to develop. Yeah. Because you can't be a functioning human being if you don't have basic communication skills. Well, it's like you're you're you have to push through it. You have to just like learning learning any new skill. There are always going to be um, those moments where you feel intimidated, where you feel over overwhelmed in over your head. the The issue with with like the introvertedness is, you know, you you sometimes will need someone to jumpstart you. Like to get the conversation going, and then you're okay. I saw a meme earlier. I was I don't know if I sent it to you or not. Um, I very rarely send you funny memes, but I, I I saw this one where it showed these two wolves, and they were standing next to each other with their eyes almost completely shut, squinted really tight, and it said introverts when they're in public, and then at the bottom it had the two wolves with their mouths open, howling, looked like they were laughing. It said introverts around other introverts, you know, <laughs> and it's not that introverts don't want to be social. It's just that there's any number of factors that go into why someone is so quiet um, or so hesitant to speak up. It could go back to the way they're raised, um, just just their own, you know, genetic decomposition, I call it, you know, where they, they have we have these issues that we struggle with. Um, some people, Lord, they talk too much, you know, LOL. You know, they, they talk too much. They, they're so social. And you think, man, you know, you, 
You don't, you know, maybe you should like roll that, dial that back a bit. And then there are people that just, you can't hardly get them to say two words. And then there's everyone in between, you know, it's, it's almost as if humanity at large, all humanity is flawed in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Imagine that. Imagine that. It's almost as if we're not all perfect. Um, just a real quick uh, thought to throw into the to the mix here. Where do we get the idea of what is normal socially? Uh, well, I guess that kind of just depends on the situation. Um, yeah. You know, every single person has a different view uh-huh. on how they would seem acceptable. Uh-huh. Uh, to me, you know, if somebody's talking to me too much, I'm like, okay, just <laughs> step away. I'm done with this conversation. Right, right. Uh, but for that extrovert, they may think it's completely normal to mm-hmm. just be sitting there and talking to me for two hours straight and me not say a single word. It, I guess it just depends on on the person's outlook on it. Mm-hmm. If... You know, when it comes to social norms, now I'm not talking about morality. You know, whatever society deems is appropriate, um, and if it is immoral, does not make it moral. I'm not. We're not talking about that. That's we'll talk about that on another podcast, but that's not the podcast today. Um, morals, social behaviors, social social norms may change, but morality never changes. Morality always stays the same. So it may be that. At one time in society, the person that um, talked the loudest and the longest, held the floor, was considered the most powerful. But, I mean, I honestly believe that our societal norms are changing on that and that people no longer view the one that is the loudest as the one who is the most uh, influential. As a matter of fact, I think that maybe culturally we're shifting to where people respect and admire a more reserved type of, of character, traits, personality, etc. So in terms of social norms, it may be that introverts were being pushed to be more like this mm, social accept, socially acceptable, be loud and proud and be, be strong and, and assertive, which, if we're being honest, can also be a cover for fear. You know, this is the image I project. That's not really who, who I am. I'm being loud because I want to deflect you from what's going on inside of me. Now, I'm not going to sit here and have an argument about, uh, or I'm not trying to expose um, one or the other. I'm just saying that being loud and being quiet did not determine our character. Does that make, make sense? Introvert, extrovert. Extroverts have their own set of problems, and we'll have we'll, we'll talk about that sometime. We'll get some extroverts in here and we'll, we'll have a discussion. I would love to see a discussion between the introvert and the extrovert because I think what would happen is when we got done, they'd both shake hands and say, man, we're a whole lot more alike than I realized. Kind of like if you had a, rep- oh, never mind. <laughs> well, Can't get yeah, into that. Yeah. Well, whoops. <laughs> well, uh, well, let's, let's, let's segue to, uh, to something of, of much more value than that. Um, you have a Bible verse that you wanted to bring into this mix today. I think now is a great time to do it. All right, so I'll read the verse 10 after this eventually if we get to it. Uh, So this one is 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 
Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Okay, Brayden, give, give everybody the context of what's going on here. What has Paul been talking about before he makes this statement? Okay, so um, one of the verses that I have highlighted here, it's actually uh, verse 5. This is a, another good one, too. Uh, on behalf of this man, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weaknesses. So Paul is really uh, speaking on his humanity <laughs> in, in this point. Of course, we know that he is human uh, because, you know, he he was one of the, the biggest persecutors of Christians sure, yeah, right. at, in this time. and uh, But he has his faults, and he even describes it as a thorn in his side mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. in many different parts of this passage. But uh, in terms of what is he referring to, we don't know, right? Yeah, I mean, his weakness <laughs> could be anything. Maybe it's right. the fact that he's a sinful man. Right, and, exactly. And still or, called to be a disciple, or right. it could be as something like us being introverted, or like Moses, maybe not being able to speak. Mm-hmm. It it all really just depends on his circumstance, and yeah. that could have changed too since he wrote that. Right, or he could have been just speaking or, in general. Do you, I, do you think it was intentional by the Holy Spirit to leave that empty? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, there's some things that are specific in the Bible that it, yeah, like it speaks. Right directly to us sure. about anxiety in Matthew. Right, right, uh, right. But with this one, you know, there's all sorts of different weaknesses we could have. Mm-hmm. And even with the maybe we have a major weakness, there's also a countless others that we have to deal with too. I often ask myself in my mind this question. What would happen if Christians, believers... In, in the in their local body, their local church that they attend, that they're a part of, what would happen if they were all honest and said, you know what, here's my weakness. Here's what I struggle with. And in in a sense, that's that's what we're doing right now. You know, that's that's what we're what we're doing. It it was, you know, probably a few years ago that I really began to open up about what what I, you know, struggle with, you know, emotionally and stuff and it was it was difficult because societally and for many you know generationally the generations before us were very much you don't show weakness you never show weakness you know men especially you can't show weakness you have to project this image but you hear a lot of people today that refer to the hypocrisy of a lot of that behavior you know, how many times have you heard the thing, um, or they have this, you know, uh, I don't want to be, like, specific here. It's going to sound ugly, but people compensate for things, you know? They're like, they have a, they got to have a, uh, I don't know, a big, bright, fancy shirt to make up for the fact that they're internally, you know, self-conscious. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like, well, they're making up, they're, comp- they're compensating for something. So some people are even shifting away from the idea that you must project strength at all times. And I believe that, I mean, let's be honest here. I mean, isn't that exactly what Paul is saying? Is let's not project an image of something that isn't real because that's called idolatry, right? That's fake. I'm going to be honest about, you know, there's, there's some things that I struggle with. Now, he doesn't list it here in this, in this, this book, 
But do you think it's possible that everyone knew exactly what he was referencing because he had been honest and open in person? He wasn't, you know, hiding whatever. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that. But he says, you know, I have asked God three times, three times to take this issue, you know, away from me. And then he, his response was, my grace is sufficient unto thee, for, you know, my strength is made perfect in weakness. So, if, if, let's see, how do I want to say this? Introvertedness in and of itself is not necessarily a weakness. Some people are just quieter than other people. You know, they're more reserved, whatever. That's just a human nature. But when does it become a, a, a weakness in turn, like when does does when does introvertedness become a weakness? Like, what can introvertedness do to uh, do to someone that would make it a weakness that would keep them from doing the things that they should do? Uh, well, I guess if it just gets too, like, too bad to where it actually is, like, even more debilitating than it can be sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at that point, sometimes people just completely push everyone else away. They shut down. They they go into their little hole and don't come out except to go to the grocery store and to work, and that's it. I mean, sometimes even a, a conversation in the dollar store could completely shut them down mm-hmm. because they have just been so. Uh, I don't want to say self-centered because it's it kind of puts a a negative a- attribute to it, but they become so focused on what has actually happened to them through these negative experiences Hmm. uh, that they don't really see a way out of it. They just want to go and find their comfort place. Well, I I 100% agree with that. What now the comfort place, that's a good, good, good segue there. Actually, Brayden, really good, really good segue. The comfort place. Define comfort. Oh, well, I would define comfort as, uh, Hopefully, I don't use the word comfort or comfortable within it. Right. But um, it's a place where you can get away from everything and find peace. Mm-hmm. So, so comfort is a peace given to you some way or another. Mm. Now, this is going to be uncomfortable for some introverts who have found themselves in the comfortable place because sometimes the place of comfort becomes a prison yes because it's more comfortable to stay in here than to go out there now i won't make a direct reference to the movie so as not to get shamed or anything but are you familiar with a movie that has a man who won't come outside because he's afraid of the sun and he says oh no sun bad no and he stays inside right um, many people relate to that. It's like they're stuck in a closet. They can't get out. They're stuck in this, in this, this, this room with no light, you know, and they, and they're afraid to go out because of what may happen. And introverts can sometimes find themselves in that place where they don't want to go out and socialize, but inside they need it and they know they do, but they, it's like they can't get over it. You know, it's like they can't get past that. 
and this is why I say this is going to be uncomfortable for some introverts, but three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, Paul said, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. There's no excuse for not doing what the Lord says to do. And you cannot be a recluse and stay in your own little bubble as a believer. You have to go out and love other people. And that's going to require, doesn't mean you have to go out in a room full of 6,000 people and stand up and give a speech, but you've got to be able to, to have those moments where you are able to socialize. The way you socialize and evangelize may look different than the way someone else does, okay? This is where we get into the whole introvert, extrovert, are actually on the same team. They work together in tandem. There's a duality between the two, you know, where one is weak, the other is strong, and they work together. But what Paul is saying here, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. The introvert who is locked away in that prison can get out. They can. They can't, but he can. Like the old song says, I am weak, but he is strong. And where I am, where I am weak, he is strong. And I can, I can overcome this. Now, how? How? Uh, well, uh, before we get into that, I want, do want to say something about uh, both introverts and extroverts. So, uh, it says, we, you know, we still have to go out and, and be the church and evangelize and, yes. and disciple one another. Right. Uh, but I think that's the, the gift of both of those. Because mm -hmm. where an extrovert may be able to go and do that in a larger setting, the introvert can do the same thing, just in a smaller way. Yeah, so, exactly. like, the, the extrovert can appeal to the extroverts, mm -hmm. and the introvert can appeal to the introverts, mm -hmm. and, and vice versa. You know... Um, the extrovert might not be able to appeal to this group of introverts over here because they're an extrovert. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think uh, that God is, I'm not, it's not viewed as a weakness in my eyes because God has me exactly where he needs me to be and exactly how he wants me to be mm -hmm. so I can go out and reach this certain group of people. You know, being a business major, I like to, it helps me visualize it as kind of like a, a marketing ploy. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want to make the church a, a business, although mm -hmm. it, you know what I'm trying to yeah, say Yeah, I do, that. yes. Um, but there are similarities. There are certain ways that we can reach certain groups of the market, the market being the lost people. Right, because not everybody's the same. For uh, the large market, I'm not going to send somebody that can't speak in front of Correct. 30 people Correct. out there to go after them. I'm going to send somebody that's comfortable doing that and then vice versa. I'm mm -hmm. not going to send somebody that isn't necessarily good at building relationships, but more of like speaking in general and have meeting that social quota. Mm -hmm. I would send somebody that would be more focused on being more personal with the relationship, Correct. focusing on one or two individuals at a time and then branching out from there. Think about a car. What do cars do? They drive. They well. drive. And in order for a car to drive, when you get in the car, what is it doing? It's not driving. It's sitting still, right? So what do you do? You put the car. I put the keys in. Put the keys in. And turn it on. Start the car. 
And then you put your foot where? On the brake pedal. You put your foot on the brake, put it into gear so the car doesn't move until it needs to. And then when you're ready to back out, you let off of the brake. And if you need to, you move your foot to the accelerator, the gas pedal. And then what do you do the whole time you're driving? When you're driving down the road, now no, don't give me the 127 where you can put the cruise control on and go. But let's say you're in town somewhere. What do you? What is your foot constantly doing? Well, it's constantly moving back and forth. From the you have to, to the meet answer. the conditions of everything else. Exactly. If you're behind That's a tractor, right. you have to slow down. Yes. If and there's yell, a speed and yell a demon in front of you. Yes. You, you don't have to do much. You don't have to do much. But, uh, <laughs> Set the cruise control on 60 and keep going like I do on 127. Yes, but, and, stay, and stay under control. You know, you have to... And, and the way you stay under control is what? By constantly that back and monitoring forth. the situation. Yes. So to the introverts and to the extroverts, you're in the same vehicle. You are... What does... Does, does, does the hand say to the foot, I'm not the foot, therefore I'm of no importance? Does the ear say to the eyes you're more important or I'm more important no they they all work together to accomplish the same goal so I think some people feel like oh my goodness I'm not that super outgoing person that I wish I was like for instance I, I play the drums I, I played the drums when I was in my mama's belly when I came out of my mama's belly I played the drums when I was a little kid I tore up so many wooden spoons that my grandmother had beating on the back of her, you know, pots and pans. They bought me a plastic drum set with paper heads. Mm-mm, couldn't do that. I beat them. I bust them. So they got me a, a drum. I remember going to a yard sale and getting this old, I think it was a gold, yellowish, sparkly, glittery-looking floor tom. And I just wail on that thing. Wail on it. And then eventually when I was, I don't know, 9, 10, 11 years old, my grandparents bought me the set of drums that I, you know, used until I got the the new ones uh, a couple months ago, the set of white pearls that, um, I don't know, 70 model set of drums. I don't know, but they were, they were my drums, man. And I would, you know, I, I, I remember I've always, always wanted to play and love playing the drums. When I got about 10, 11 years old, I wanted to play guitar because I thought that would be so much fun to play the guitar. And I wanted to play so bad. And, I, you know, I never took lessons, but I did, you know, I rented a guitar uh, from a guitar shop, an electric guitar. And I would pick and try to figure things out, and I would get so frustrated because it's like I just couldn't do that. I wanted to be a guitar player so bad, but drums came natural. I just, it just was a natural instinct for me. And I've tried to push myself, force myself into the... And, and there's nothing wrong if you are a multifaceted musician. That's fine. But the Lord knew what I was going to do with my life, and it wasn't going to be to play in a rock band and, and, and tour the country. Although, I mean, I'm really... Man, it was that... Oh, man, I really wanted to... You know what I mean? Like, that's what I... Oh, man, that was one of the things I would have loved to have done. But I... Um, anyhow, my point here is, isn't it funny... The drummer always wants to be the guitar player. The guitar player wants to be a drummer. We always want to be what we're not without realizing that if, you know, what we do is of, is of importance. So the introvert and the extrovert both have a specific role and a place, a purpose in the, in the greater body of, of the church. Does that make sense? Yeah, we often overlook what we are <laughs> called to do yes. Yes. instead of... Yes. And it kind of seems like 
a, a worldly point of view taking it that way you know i want to go be a professional golfer but that's not what i'm called to be <laughs> what i'm, called to, I'm be. called to be right here right now so <laughs> we just need to mm-hmm. actually yes. pursue the calling yes. that we have instead of yes what we aren't called in, to do in keeping with the automobile analogy stay in your lane we have to stay in our lane and we have to learn to be the that's the word I'm looking for, to be the most efficient we can be in that place that we're called to be. Like, for instance, driving down the road, when it's time to speed up, it's time for the extrovert to come in. Does that make sense? I mean, yeah. I don't mean that the introvert pushes the car. <laughs> I mean, the extrovert pushes and the introvert pulls back because we don't want to get into that because um, uh, that, that's not at all what I'm implying. What I'm saying is using the analogy of the accelerator and the brake. Where one is wide open and the other is not not reserved, but you know what I mean. They work together because if you just go wide open, you know bad things are going to happen. But also, if you don't go anywhere, bad things are going to happen. You know, if you need to be somewhere at three o'clock and it's two thirty and you have twenty minutes to get there, you can't sit in the parking lot for forty minutes waiting to leave. You won't get there on time. So. It's not an, an issue of extrovert good, introvert bad, or introvert good, extrovert bad. It's the balance between the two. Um, you know, like some folks will say, well, that's right, that's why, that's why God may be an extrovert to get you introverts up and going. And the introvert would say, and that's why God made me to get you extroverts to sit down and be quiet. See, you're already off on the wrong foot. Because what good does the, what good does the body receive from the left hand and the right hand fighting with each other about because one's good, one's bad. We can't do that. That's not the, that's not the beauty of the church. But the beauty of the church is, is, is this. It's not the performance that we do. It's not the, um, the, the marketing that we do. It's not the image that we, rep- or that we um, present uh, or that we, that we concoct. The beauty of the church is all the different parts and pieces have different functions and they all work together. Who puts the body together? God does. Within our body here at Monterey, we know we have introverts and we have extroverts. We know that. And I pastor introverts and extroverts, and I can tell you there are good and bad qualities, human nature, I'm saying, in both. And it's not its not that all oh, the extroverts are just, oh, they're so far out there, they just want to go and get wild and crazy. And the introverts are, oh, I don't want to go, I'm so weak, I can't do anything. It's not that way. It really isn't because... There's good and bad in both. The good is when we're going forward at a moderate and safe pace in growth as opposed to wide open and blowing a gasket or sitting still and never going. You you mentioned Moses earlier, and I wanted to kind of talk about that for a second. Um, do you want to give the people just a quick breakdown of what happens when Moses is called by God to go and speak to Pharaoh. What does Moses, I hate to use a pun here, but what does Moses say? <laughs> uh, well, he said that I'm not capable of speaking to Pharaoh. I, I don't have the words to do that. Okay, I'm not capable. I don't have the words or the strength, the ability. That's what the word strength means is ability. I don't have the ability to do that. And what does God say to Moses? Paraphrase, of course. He sent him somebody to take care of that for him. He did, but didn't he say something else to Moses? And he says to Moses, 
I'm going to send you someone that will speak for you. And this is a paraphrase, but in essence, he says to Moses, how dare you say you can't if I'm involved? I'm not saying that Moses should, was supposed, I'm not saying that because Moses wouldn't do it, God sent Aaron. I think the plan was that Aaron would speak, but I think God was, was saying to us, stop saying I can't. If I am with you, then you can. It might not be that I have you do that, but don't say you can't. So I think one of the first things that introverts, and again, this is going to be uncomfortable, but that they need to hear is don't use the phrase, I can't do that. Don't say I can't, because if God gives you the strength to do it, you will. If God wants you to, you will, right? If God wants me to, I can, because his strength is made perfect in my weakness, meaning that even though I'm weak, I can still do this, because it's not I that does this, but Christ, which is in me, that does this. But it's also not saying that, that, well, look at you, all you introverts, just like Moses, Got to send an extrovert to come along and fix your man. No, I don't believe that's what he was. I don't think that was the intent of what he was saying. I think that God sent Aaron to, to do what he was supposed to do because Aaron was skilled in speaking, was able to do that. But I think the reprimand to Moses was, Moses, you can't say that you can't. Don't say you can't because if I am with you, you can do all things. If I am with you, I will make up that difference. And to those today that find themselves in that, that prison of comfort of, I'd rather just not even try. The first step to being able to get out of that, this is not to turn introverts into extroverts, but, but that prison of the introvert feeling like they're confined in their own mind, you know, they can't get out of their own, of their own way, is to say, if God calls on me, to go and speak to somebody, I can do it. God will give me the words. He will give me the, the strength, the intestinal fortitude to be able to go out and do it. Like when Paul says, I, I have pleaded with God to take this thing away from me. How many introverts do you think have said to themselves, I wish I wasn't this way? Oh, there's countless of them. Yeah. How many extroverts do you think have said the same thing? Uh, they, I'm when, sure they feel the same way. They feel the exact same way. But... Now, this is going to be tough um, because I know in our, in our greater, you know, worldwide church culture, through the 80s and the 90s, especially in the, you know, uh, you started to see this, this idea come in that if you just pray hard enough and long enough, you can do anything. And it became an, a game of us, you know, well, I guess I don't have as much faith as this other person because I'm not able to do that. And basically what they were doing is forcing square pegs into round holes and saying, you may be naturally inclined to be this way, but you need to be this way because this is what we need to grow the church and make the church huge and large and explode and, and take over the world. And the other side of that is the idea of, I'm not going to challenge you. I'm just going to placate. I'm going to say the words you want to hear. Um, just continue in your sin and don't worry about what you're doing. God is, you know, he loves you and you can, you don't have, there's, there's not going to be any kind of uncomfort or discomfort, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I know we've seen that through the 2000s and the, you know, up, up, up until now where you hear a lot of people that will complain about the compromising church, you know, and I'm like, bruh, were you even here in the eighties and nineties? Are you kidding me? 
you know, we tried to we tried to make the whole church this massive, loud political force and take over the nations and such. And then we turn around, and the opposite of that is is the whole you know let's be just like the world. You know, let's not let's not try to change anything. When in actuality, the they both are incorrect because God made us. And there are flaws built into all of us, not morality. I'm not talking about, you know, some people have a propensity genetically toward alcoholism. I get that. But I'm not saying, well, just be an alcoholic. <laughs> what I'm saying is where there are social and emotional like deficiencies in things, sometimes we have to understand that this is what I am going to have to struggle with. Like, you know, the, the, I don't, the, the fear of going out in public and talking to people or the fear of socializing and interacting with other people. That is not a, it's, it's wrong to not go and speak when God says to speak, but I'm not putting that in the same category as someone that struggles with, um, or, or someone that is, is committing adultery. You know, you, you need to stop what you're doing you know, and, 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 and quit doing that. Um, you need to, you need to put an end to that. You take control over that. Um, you know, repent for, ask for forgiveness, etc. What I'm referring to here is that, man, sometimes people are just more talkative than other people. And if you talk too much, you're not getting anything done. You ever had anybody at work talks all the time? Not, not your, I don't mean like at your job. Now I'm saying like, have you ever seen someone, they do more talking than they do working. You know what I mean? And then you see people that do more work than they do talking. And you have a, you know, both will frustrate you. Because, you you know, we, we have to be, you know, we're social creatures. We have to be able to communicate. But, you know, there, there, there's extremes to everything. And that's what we have to stay away from are the extremes. Go into the extreme and the introvertedness that becomes a debilitating prison. Or a debilitation that leads to prison. And extreme extrovertedness that is annoying and leads to, you know, people wanting to throat punch you. And you <laughs> you have to stay somewhere in between the two. Like, for instance, the accelerator and the gas. Too much of either one causes problems. Have you ever known someone that drives, they slam the gas and then slam the brake? And it's like you're back and forth. you got whiplash from the word go, you know. That's not the way to drive. You have to be able to ease into your acceleration and ease into your braking to make it one fluid experience where you don't snap your neck. That's what I'm getting at here is maybe the introvert is made that way for a purpose and the extrovert is made that way for a purpose. And if the two come together as one in the body, then what happens? You have a smooth and fluid process where the world, you know, the lost world is not overwhelmed, but they're also not underwhelmed where they don't feel like you're trying to be invasive, right? But they also see that you're not being evasive, that you are presenting Christ to them with the right balance of socialization so that it doesn't seem like you're trying to, like, uh, you know, like, manipulate them. They get the right level of, you know, they're being honest and open with you, but they're not oversharing, <laughs> you know? 
they're reaching out to me, but they're not grabbing me by the by the ear. There's this this balance between the two. Because where I am weak, you're strong, and where you are weak, I am strong. And if we lean into one another and allow the body to do its job, ultimately, who gets glorified from that? God does. God does. So God made each part of the body the way it is for a purpose. But you can't go to the extremes. All right, what I'm getting at here is um, weakness. Weaknesses can be exploited, yes? Weaknesses can be exploited. What type of person exploits a weakness? Uh, Someone who is uh, controlling, manipulative, um, wants something done their way only and not anyone else's. Mm -hmm. There's one great enemy to the church. And and who is that? That's not ourselves. Who who is the enemy? Satan. Satan. So if we have weaknesses, is the enemy not going to try to exploit them? Absolutely. That's the only thing he can exploit. Exactly. Exactly. So when Paul says, I asked the Lord, I pleaded with the Lord to take this weakness away from me. And we know it was a weakness because that's how he refers to it in verse 9. God said, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. So this was a weakness. If you are a, if you are a general in the army and, and you see you see a, a specific or particular weakness, like let's say that their infantry is weak or that their armory or their armor is weak or, or whatever it may be. Maybe there's, uh, they've had trouble getting troops to a certain, certain point. You know, uh, you, if you're able, you take advantage of that. When you're on a basketball court, if you see that there's, a, there's a, a forward that can't jump very well or it's not very quick on, on the bounce you know, to, to go for the rebound, then you put your best rebounder out there with him. He'll out-rebound him all night. Not only will he out-rebound him, he'll get the rebound and have it down the court before that guy ever even takes his first you know, first jump. If you have a point guard that can't handle the ball going to the left, what do you do? You force him to go go to his left. You, you, want to, you exploit those weaknesses. So what is the enemy going to do with our weaknesses? He's going to try to ex- destroy us. With yeah, them. to exploit them. But God says, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Meaning that like for instance, how as a church, how do we, how do we, I guess how 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 does God do that? How does He make His power perfect in our weakness? Well, go back to the issue of if your right hand is is weaker than your left hand, your left hand help makes it help helps to make up the difference. Or if you're right-handed and your left arm is weaker, then you might use more of your chest when you lift something. You might use more of your back. But your body is able to compensate for those weaknesses. Therein lies the strength that is made perfect in your weakness. You are one component in the body, but God has given multiple other muscles and ligaments and tendons to work in cooperation to produce what needs to be done to get that whatever it is accomplished. So they work together. And what I think we would see as the church is as the introverts do the work that God has called them to do which may be, like you said earlier, the one-on-one conversations. And the extroverts do the work that God has called them to do, which may be the more larger, you know, vol- or like, like, like speaking on a, on a bigger scale. Going to, I mean, I'm sorry, I, I didn't say that the right way. Speaking to a larger audience. Both are actually working together. Because, let's be honest, being an 
extrovertedness has its own, you know, troubles. Like maybe they don't remember everything about people because they're, they're talking to so many people, right? Where the introvert is, I'm just scared to talk to one person, you know? But not talking to that one person is just as detrimental as talking to, to many and not being able to keep up with it all. But what if they all work together? Does that make any sense at all? Yeah. Like, like the, the whole idea of the body being the body. When the Lord calls whatever it is that Paul was dealing with a weakness, we know the enemy wants to exploit the weaknesses. Exploit the weakness, take down the body. Now, this is, this is, you know, I'm not in any way implying that when you play sports, you should go after and try to hurt somebody. But if you know that the other team's best player is, you know, coming off of a, a sprained ankle, let's be honest, if you're a good coach, what are you going to do? Take the ball to them because they're not going to be able to keep up like they normally would exploit that. Now, it's kind of cheesy, kind of kind of lame, you know, but at the same time, if you're going to put the player out there knowing that they're weak, you know what I'm saying? But a coach will say, while this person is rehabbing this ankle injury, there's they're not going to be as fast as they normally would be, but I'm putting them out there for the other things that they're capable of doing. So what I'll do is I'll readjust my offense or my defense so that the person that has got the weakness is going to be covered by someone else that can make up the difference for them. Like, for instance, if your guard is rehabbing a, 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 an ankle injury, you're going to make sure that either another guard or your forward or even your center, if you're in high school and you're lucky enough to have that, at college, whatever, you're going to have that center play up a little higher to be there to pick up that person or have your adjust your, your defense or offense so that you're able to compensate for that weakness that that person feels. Is that not what God does? I mean, there are days when I feel like I'm the extrovert of extroverts. Dude, I mean, I've got like, I'm like, I'm out there, you know. As trying to pastor church with various deficiencies of my own, it's like, you know, some days God calls me to be an extrovert. Some days God calls me to be more introverted. Um, it's, it's like, I don't know what's going to happen any given day. But I know that whatever God calls me to do is not all on me to do. This is all one body. And if he says, go and do this, I'm going to be like, okay. Because I know you've got somebody watching my back or someone to cover for that weakness that I might have. So I would, I would hope that to the introvert that listens today, I'm not telling you, go, go hide in the closet you know, or go run to the, you know, pull the covers up over your head. You, you, you don't want to do that. I'm not, I'm not putting words into their mouth. I'm saying, I know that that's, that's not because I listen to them. And they're like, sometimes I feel like I'm my own worst enemy because I, I, I can't get out of that shell. You can, because his strength is made perfect in your weakness. Whatever it is, you don't have to be the extra. That's why do we why do we do this? Why do we automatically assume that we have to be the guitar player when we're the drummer? Why do we automatically assume I wish I was the brake and not the gas, or I wish I was the gas and not the brake? Why can't we just accept that where we are is where God has us at this moment? And this is the place that God is going to use us. And he will make good even in our weaknesses. And he's got more more people that will cover for us or make up the differences, if you will, 
uh, as we make up the difference for them. So to the introverts, I would say you have a very specific, very special and a very uh, significant and unique place in the body of Christ, just like the extrovert does. All of us serve a purpose. We all do. And in the end, at the end, in the, at the end of it, of, of, of it all, when, when we see the finished work, we realize that it wasn't even us that did it. It was the Lord that brought it all together and made it all happen. So don't live in guilt because you are more introverted, but also don't run and hide because he will give you the strength to have that conversation with someone. And it may be that because of your introvertedness, that conversation that the devil is trying to keep you from having would be so powerful and so effective and would change that person's life. But because it's not changing 10,000 people's lives, you feel like it's insignificant. Well, I can tell you right now that that's not the case. And to be very honest, um, discipleship is what? One on one. And that's how the church grows and how it, how it, it, it advances. Yes, there are people that have to stand up in front of people and, and teach and preach and do things like that. Um, that's part of being the body. But that's not all that there is. The idea that the one that stands up in front is the superstar and the head of the pack, brother, I can tell you 120% facts, straight fact, 100 facts, no cap. There is nothing superstar about standing up in front of a church on a Sunday morning and preaching a sermon, pastoring a church full of people. There's nothing rock star about it. That's the image that some people have tried to cast, and that's the image that some people try to project. I'm telling you right now, that's not the case. It's, that's not the case at all. It is the most humbling. Um, I don't want to use the word intimidating. I've got to do it. But it, it's, it's, not, it's not what some people think it is. And I think if we get rid of those ideas in our minds, these preconceived notions, these, these, these images of what church is, this is not a business, it's not a corporation, it's not an industry, it's not a, um, what's the word I'm looking for, like in a, it's not a concert, it's not a, it's not a popularity contest, it's not about growing and getting big numbers because you have a unique marketing scheme. This is just real people facing real fears, overcoming real obstacles, and doing every bit of it through the power of God in Christ by the Holy Spirit. That's it. And all of us have weaknesses. Yeah. That's right. What else would you have to say uh, uh, to to the introverts? Um, is are there what what are the what other points did you want to make? Uh, well, uh, just something that came up to um, while we as we have been talking today. Uh, so we know that His power is made perfect in our weakness, and we know that sometimes it is through the supplying of someone else to fit our needs. You know, the introvert and the extrovert, they can pay you back off each other. Uh, but I think a lot of that um, is kind of speaking to us as a way to become more reliant on God. Mm. You know, we we do have these struggles, mm-hmm. and there's some of those struggles that we can't overcome on our own. I would even go so far to say that we can't overcome any of them uh. without the power of God. Yes, exactly. Uh, so if we do feel like we have a need to come out of our shell as introverts, maybe to become more extroverted in a sense— mm-hmm. We're not going to do that on our own. No. We're not going to be able to just go out and speak magically one day because we decided to. <laughs> or we got brave enough. You know, we're, yeah. we, there's nothing in our own power right. that can make us do that. Because if that was the case, I would have done it a long time ago. And if that were the case, what was the purpose of Christ? 
Exactly. Uh, so Christ brings gives us the strength to overcome these certain things when the time is right. Now, if he has still called us to be introverted, he won't. The process, right? He won't really, I, this is going to sound a little off here, but he won't give us the strength to go and be the int- extrovert. Correct. If we're called to be the introvert. Correct. He will keep you in this place and continue to mold you and shape you into who you are called to be so you can go and be the body of Christ. Braden, I still can't play guitar. I still can't. I can't. I mean, it's like there's a barrier there that I can't. I couldn't break it if I tried because that's not what I was supposed to do. That's a good point. Now, how, how do anything that we are able to do is done in Christ. Therefore, the natural is is not capable, but he, the supernatural, we are able to do things that we are not naturally able to do. And listen, I know to some people they think, well, my goodness, how much strength does it take to just have a conversation with somebody? Uh, would you like to answer that? Uh, for, well, for me, it's a whole lot. A whole Especially lot. if I don't know the person and I'm not comfortable speaking with them or if I'm speaking about a topic that I'm not 100% sure that I know front, forwards and backwards. Mm-hmm. You know, I can get get up and talk about Christ all I want. That, that's an easy topic for me mm-hmm. to talk about. <laughs> but... I know a lot about it, but then I go to speak to somebody that I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, then there's the there's the negative, <laughs> there's the weakness right there. I don't know this person. Uh-huh. Me and you can sit and talk about this all day and night, <laughs> but add someone into the mix that's not a familiar person or something. It, it can be, it it can it can throw a whole whole wrench in the process. You know, but this could even go so far to say I am comfortable speaking with you, but if I don't know the topic very well, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to. To be able to back up my arguments with it yeah. or convey a certain point that I need to get across. Yeah, that's a good, another good segue. When it comes to, uh, in relation to the believer being a witness for the Lord, which is, I hope everyone understands that this is the context, you know, of this whole, of everything that we do as believers. But the specific context of this whole conversation today is not allowing our weaknesses to become our excuses for not doing what God said to do. Now, like in the case of Moses, you know, Aaron was the spokesperson, so to speak, the, the mouthpiece. But who did the miracles? Moses did. Moses did. Moses did. So it's not, uh, okay, I'm going to give you a free pass. You don't have to participate. No, we all have to participate in this. And even though for the introvert it seems like it's going to take a miraculous supernatural event to get them to be able to go to church and be in the building or to speak to somebody. Whether it's the introvert or the extrovert, everyone meets in the same place around the cross and we start talking to someone about Jesus. It's not so much, I mean, I agree. We, 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 a fool is considered wise until he opens his mouth and proves otherwise. Um, I think it's wise to not speak where you're not skilled. But the only way we learn is by trying. And in trying, you're going to make mistakes. And for the introvert, imagine how difficult that is. The whole fear, uh, and and again, I'm going to quote from another movie uh, that my daughters used to love to watch. Don't let the fear of striking out keep you from going up to bat or keep you from playing the game. That is a lot of an introvert's fear 
you know, cause a lot of introverts are very, um, in, internally conflicted about themselves, you know, the fear of messing up or the fear of striking out. Um, imagine, you know, the, the sheer terror of the introvert who tries and makes the mistake, which all of us are going to make mistakes in the, in the, in the trying and in the learning process, then that pushes them even further back, you know? It's like, no, 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 no. The, the fact that you, you tried and you had a panic attack or the fact that you tried and your anxiety overwhelmed you, that's not failure because you tried. Now, the next time you try, you might be able to get a little closer or even accomplish the task of, of speaking. Now, that's why I said earlier, I'm not trying to be ugly, but, but there's no excuse for inactivity, you know, because honestly, Honestly, Braden, when you don't do those things that you feel like God is asking you to do, how do you feel? You don't feel good. That you're a prisoner of your own, you know, your own, you're a prisoner of your own making in some regards. So, if, it's to, if it requires a miracle for you to be able to get up and speak to somebody, is that not what he says to Paul? My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. God says, I am sufficient. Where you are not sufficient, I am. Where there is a deficit, a deficit, I make up the difference. So everything that goes into you doing what God calls you to do involves a deficit on your part and sufficiency on his part to make up the difference. Have you ever gone, like when I was little, I remember I saved up some money for a basketball goal. And whatever, because I had worked, you know, that summer with my grandfather, my dad was like, I'll pay the difference. Whatever you don't have, I'll give you so that you're able to do what you would not be able to do on your own. Does that make sense? Is that not what God is saying to Paul? He makes the statement, my grace is sufficient for you, comma. Okay, that's his statement. I will make up the deficit. How will he make up the deficit? He says, my grace will make up the deficit. But in order to make up the deficit, there has to be a way to do so. You can't just say, I'll make up the deficit and then not be able to produce it. He says, I will make up the difference for you, comma, for, here's the how, for my power is made perfect in weakness. What is the power of God? It is his all-sufficiency. It is his strength, his his divinity, it is everything that he is that comes into play to make up the difference for everything we are not. So when he says, my power is made perfect in weakness, my power and his power are two different things because my power is a deficit. It is not all-sufficient. His power is all-sufficient. So to every human being on the earth, there's a deficit, correct? Every one of us has a deficit. We are not able to be perfect like he is perfect. So when he says, my power is made perfect in weakness, what is he saying? He is saying, I will act on your behalf, utilizing the perfection that I have that you don't. So in essence, what he is saying here is, your power is not capable of doing it. Your natural power cannot but where the natural ends there's a super that goes beyond that and above that 
So the way that God makes up the deficit for us, the sufficiency, through his grace, because he doesn't have to, but he does, is through his power, which is supernatural. So super, my supernatural power is put on display in your weakness when you do that which you're incapable of doing. So to the introvert or the extrovert, but to the introvert specifically today who says, I can't, oh, yes, you can. Dead people don't walk. Deaf people don't hear. Mute people don't talk. Sick people don't stop being sick instantaneously. But that's what Jesus did when he was here. And legalistic Pharisees don't put down stones. Jesus did these miraculous things. And God says to Paul, Jesus says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. I love you so much that I will make up the deficit for you. How will I do that? Through my supernatural power that is put on display in you being able to do that thing that you cannot do. So to the introvert, I would say, you don't have to do what the extrovert does. But you have to do what the introvert does. You have to do what you're called to do. So stop saying you can't and say, you're right, I can't. Tell yourself this right now. Say, hey there, myself. You're right. I can't do this. But he can. And now go do it. Now go do that which he's called you to do. And stop looking at everyone else and trying to compare yourself and think you have to be like everybody else. No, you don't. God called you the way you are to be the who, to be the who that you are so that you can go and be what someone needs you to be. And I don't know if you know this, but there's like a seven and a half billion people on the planet, I think, somewhere in the neighborhood of close to eight billion people. Now, I have seen some doppelgangers in my day where I could have swore that it was, my goodness, if that's not the, the Sudanese version of Michael Scott, I don't know what is. But all of us are different. But there are similarities. And different people relate differently to other people. Be who God has called you to be and go and do what God has called you to do. There's no excuses that say you can't. You honestly admit that I can't, but you can. And Paul says, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Meaning, I'm not going to beat myself up and, and hide in a corner because of my weaknesses. This is Paul, the former Pharisee, admitting that he has weaknesses. Just like in our culture today, you don't, don't admit weakness. Now, maybe, maybe that was more the generation before us, but you don't admit weakness. You run from it. You hide from it. You, 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 you pretend like it doesn't exist. The other side of that is, I can't do anything. Oh. Right? I'm going to hide in the corner. Oh. I'm going to run to my room. Oh. I'm so, oh, I can't do anything. Oh, no. That's really an excuse. Both are an excuse for covering up the truth, which is I have weaknesses. But what is the power of, of Christ in us? The ability to overcome our weaknesses. To do the things he's called us to do in spite of the fact that I struggle with these things. I can do it. And I don't have to pretend that I'm something I'm not, and I, but I can't use the excuse because of, I can't do it because of who I am. I can. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Who said that? Paul did. To the Philippians. That's what he said. And he says, 
in that same area, that same realm, in that letter, he makes the statement that I used to be the chief of all Pharisees. Nobody could touch me in terms of holiness and, 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 and righteousness. I was supreme above. I did it all right. I was the Pharisee of Pharisees, the Jew of Jews. He says, but I count all those things as dumb. The things that I used to count as strengths, I now see as weaknesses. Compensation for my weaknesses. Now, he says, therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. Because when I am honest about where I am, then and only then can I call out to the Lord and say, Lord, you've got to do this in me because I can't do this on my own. And what does he do? The power of Christ moves in and gives us the ability to do that which we can't. Is it okay if I read verse 10? It says, For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Whose strength? Christ's, not Paul's. Then Paul says, you know what? This is not going to philosophically make sense because the philosophers don't take into account supernatural power. But he says, when I am weak, then I am strong. It's like a light bulb goes off in his mind and he says, huh, so when I'm incapable, I think of that as being detriment. Oh, I can't do it. But wait a minute. When I come to the end of myself, then I say hello to Jesus. And I know that when Jesus enters the conversation, things happen that are impossible. You ever heard of water turning into wine? I haven't. I've never seen it happen, but that's what Jesus did. Have you ever heard of Jesus of someone saying, "Man, I got to pay my taxes. I think I'm gonna go catch a fish." That's what Jesus told Peter to do. Go, go and get your go, go and cast your line, and you'll 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 have a. I've I've never seen someone look at someone and say, "Cast your net over there, and you'll pull in so much fish that it'll break your nets." But that's what happened. You know, fishermen don't fish this spot because there's no fish here. So this is beyond natural understanding, but Jesus says do this, and they do it, and what happens? Exactly what he said happens. Jesus shows up, and you know, dead kids wake up. Sicknesses leave. Things happen. Paul says, when I can't, he can. Therefore, when I'm incapable, he is capable. So instead of me going to the end of myself and saying, oh, I can't do this, I've got to lay down and quit. I should come to the end of myself and say, oh, it's about time. Now I get to watch him do what only he can do. So to the introverts listening to this today, get ready. Get ready to watch God do the, the, the impossible in you and the miraculous because when you say I can't, then you can. But I'm not saying you have to do what you're not called to do. I'm saying that you can do what you are called to do and you are not insignificant because you're not talking to thousands of people. You are significant because you're doing what someone else cannot do. And instead of denying yourself the ability to experience the joy and the mercy and the grace and the power of God, just come to the end of yourself and say, okay, now, I don't want to, but I know I can. Because if you want me to, I can do all things. If you tell me to walk on water, I'll walk on water. If you tell me to be silent, I can be silent and be still. 
I'm going to let you do what only you can do. I don't have to do what everyone else thinks I should do. I don't have to do what everyone else is doing. I don't have to fit the cultural or societal norm. And if anything, my goodness gracious, Brady, we need to pray that God help us break all that in the church and we start being biblically normal instead of societally normal. But to the, to the, to the introvert, what would you say, Braden? Well, I'll just read verse 9 again because I think it's a good way to close out. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I think it's time that we let God show himself to be mighty on our behalf instead of us trying to show ourselves mighty on our own behalf. Because the limitations of humanity restrain so much from taking place. But if we let God be God, what would happen? I don't know. I'd sure like to find out. Maybe if we would let God be God, we would find out that we're capable as a body of believers of doing way more, way more than governments, policies, politicians could ever accomplish, philosophers, etc. Now, I'm not putting any of that down. I'm just saying that when the church tries to be the government or when the church tries to be the philosopher, we're doing exactly what we're talking about in this podcast. We're trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. We're trying to make ourselves something we're not because we see those things as strengths. I am 44 years old, and I can assure you that I don't look at policy and see strength. I don't look at philosophy and see strength because all of those things have failed us. But when I look at at biblical truth, oh, I see strength there. But the, the problem is seeing it in the Scripture and seeing it in reality are going to require us participating in the calling that God has called us to, 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 to fulfill. And if we sit still or if we run too fast, if we accelerate only or break only, no one gets anywhere. But what we have to do is evaluate, see ourselves for who we are, and then say, God, I know that what you have called me to do is impossible in myself, in my own strength, but I know that nothing is impossible with you. So do the impossible in and through me so that people might see you and not us. Does that make sense? Makes sense to me. Well, Braden, we'll close things out today. Thank you again for being on here. I'm sure you'll be back like probably next week or something, but we'll, we'll cut a few more podcasts in the near future. Uh, thanks again for bringing this to, um, to, to everyone's attention, I guess is the way I would say that. Thank you for, for being adamant about continuing this conversation about um, introvertedness and anxiety and, and, and such. I think that it really resonates with a lot of people today, and I think we need to be more honest and not so evasive in terms of this topic. So, so thanks again. We'll, we'll see you guys soon. Like, share the, this, this podcast. Tell your family and friends. Uh, let, let people know uh, about what we're, what we're doing and what we're talking about. And let's go and, and be what God has called us to be so that we can do what only He can do. See you.